If you have your Bibles, Colossians 3.18. Now, uh, I know last week, it seemed God didn't want me to preach that sermon. Uh, she doing okay? Good, 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 good. She's doing good. Uh, but I will say this. There were a lot of men in the kitchen last week working on Brunswick stew. God wanted you in the room for the message. Uh, women. I know verses, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, I know verse 18 is fighting words, but as we walk through it, hang in there, hang in there, okay, hang in there, uh, hang in there. We are in our series, um, uh, just to give you a little bit of an outline of where we're going, uh, we will look at uh, really just a small section today, and we won't get through everything that's in your bulletin of Colossians chapter 3. 18, 19s, uh, probably all we're going to look at today. Pastor Ryan uh, will be preaching next Sunday. Uh, and originally, the intent was to finish Colossians today. He would transition us next week, and then Advent starts December the 3rd. So Ryan will preach next Sunday. We will start our Advent series on December the 3rd. We will wrap up Colossians at the end of December and be ready to start a new series uh, for the new, the new year. Uh, but we've been walking through Colossians, and I think I've said this every week, that the point of Colossians is it's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus, period, period, or only, but period alliterates with plus. But anyway, it's not Jesus plus, it's Jesus, period. The Colossian church is being bombarded with false teachings. You know, false teachers are saying, you know, take a little bit of Greek religion, take a little bit of Judaism, take a little bit of this pagan religion, take a little bit of everything, the buffet of religions, and that's how you get a complete faith. Uh, I've called it a -a Build-A-Bear theology. Just take a little bit of this and a little bit of this, and that's how you have a complete faith. Paul writes this letter saying, no, 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 it's Jesus, period. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about religious practices. It's not about all this other stuff. It's about Jesus, period. So the whole letter, specifically chapters 1 and chapter 2, talks about the supremacy of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ, and the saving power of Christ. Chapter 3 transitions us to the now what section. Remember, we've been saying theology is transformative. All this biblical truth has practical applications. It's more than just an academic practice. It is a life transformative truth. Uh, I saw a really cool illustration this week. Uh, This person had a, a, a glass of water, just a simple glass of water. They took one drop of blue food coloring and just into the water. And you could watch as the blue food coloring just kind of made its way through the water until the entire water was blue. The entire cup of water was blue. That's the truth of Jesus. As we get more of it, it penetrates and moves through. And the goal is that it would consume our entire life. Uh, an, illust- an illustration maybe our, our teenagers or children would understand is, anybody like slime? The little, my daughter loves slime. Okay, we had this rainbow-colored slime, and she didn't play with it because she didn't like the texture of it, but I played with it because I thought it was really cool. And so I, was, I spent like hours just moving the slime around. I know, I'm just a kid. 
moving this slime around. And the green was the predominant color. And after folding it and playing with it, that green consumed the entire, and it's no longer rainbow, it's green. It's just a green colored slime. That's the word of God. It should consume every aspect of our life. And that's what we get to in all of chapter 3 and all that we've been talking about. And it should consume all of our relationships. Starting in verse 18, we get this is how this theology transforms our marriage. This is how Christ period looks like in our marriage. This is how it looks like as parent and children. And then it wraps up with this is how it looks in the workplace. Uh, and if you read through, you'll, you'll see kind of the end of it is about masters and slaves. We'll get to that. We'll explain it. We'll teach it. But we apply it today to employer-employee would be our modern-day application. So it's all about Christ is all, Christ, period. So Christ should be the center of all our relationships. Christ should guide and direct everything we do in our marriages, in our parenting, in being a child, in being a boss, or being a, a worker. And so here's what it starts. Colossians 3, starting in verse 18. Uh, we'll read the whole section just to prepare us for the coming weeks, but we'll focus on 18 and 19 this morning. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Them fighting words, I know. Stay with me. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, as is fitting to the Lord. Now, husbands, if you've checked out, check back in. This is important. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, uh, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. And then going into chapter 4, Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Let's pray together. Father, as we open this book, as we open your book, your word, we pray that it would be a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And Father, this morning, what we know not, we pray that you would teach us. What we have not, you pray, we pray that you would give us. What we are not, make us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The one main truth I want us to look at this morning is Christ is all. Put Christ first in your marriage. If you are married, then you know how hard marriage can be. Amen? I usually don't ask for amens, but I just think that's an amen. You know how hard. You know that marriage has ups and downs, that marriage has conflict of personalities, that there are, you know, I want to do this, I want to do this, that there's something called selective hearing, that, listen, I know that it's, people think men have it, women have it too, okay? 
Uh, in my case, I just forget, I have selective forgetfulness, but that's okay. <laughs> marriage is tough. Marriage is hard. And Paul gives a model for what a Christian marriage should look like based really on biblical principles that go back to Genesis. Now, if you're not married, don't sleep on this, okay? Because if you're single, if you're young, these are principles that you need to store in your heart. These are the type of man you're looking for, the type of woman you're looking for, Christian men, Christian women to be your husband or to be your wife. So if you're not married, if you're not even dating, that's okay. It's the word of God. You need to listen to it and put it into practice when that day, when that day comes. These are important truths. Now, for Paul writing to this church, when they would have read this, mouths would have dropped open. Because this is radical in this ancient world. And we'll unpack what these two words mean and we'll unpack why it's so radical in that world. But it's just as radical for us today, but for different reasons. But either way, this is a counter-cultural message. So let's start. Okay, let's start with the, the words that two weeks ago had all the men in the room saying amen when I teased the coming of this message. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Let's look at what the word submit means because I think we can all agree that has a negative connotation to it in our culture. We don't like to submit to anything, men or women. We don't like other people to tell us what to do. We don't like to surrender our right to make our own decisions. And yet Paul is looking at the women, the wives of the church in Colossae, the wives of the church here, and says, submit yourselves to your husbands. Here is why it's radical in that day. The way this word is structured and formatted in the Greek language, it is clearly voluntary. There is no debate that he is saying voluntarily submit yourselves to your husbands. In a culture in a time when women couldn't voluntarily do anything, where they were property. You understand that in most cases, in most situations, generally speaking, I'm sure there's exceptions, but in most cases in the ancient Jesus time, Paul time world, women were nothing more than property expected to produce babies. That, that was it. The marriages were arranged. Women didn't have a choice. They had to obey the men no matter what. Paul says that's not what God designed. It's voluntary submission to your husband. It is saying that I am created equal. I have equal rights, I, have e I am equal, I can do the, some of the same things, but I am voluntarily going to follow the leadership of my husband. They had a choice. You have a choice. Uh, I read the story several years ago that I think illustrates what the passage is talking about and leads us into the next idea. Uh, Tim Keller, who recently passed away, is a great pastor up in New York. Uh, his wife uh, once kind of wrote about this. Uh, his, his wife was writing about submitting to her husband. Uh, there was one occasion where 
uh, Kathy Keller and Tim Keller were deciding whether or not they should move to New York to plant a church. They were trying to figure out if the next ministry uh, ministry step in their life was to move and plant a church in New York. Tim wanted to go. Kathy did not. And it was a back and forth and a back and forth, not an argument, just prayerful discussion back and forth. And one day, Tim came up to Kathy and says, I will not trump you. He says, you don't want to go, we're not going. And here's what Kathy said. He goes, no, you will not put that on me. If the Lord leads you to go, I will follow you. Voluntarily submitting to the leadership of her husband. They planted a church in New York. It's been a very successful church. They've reached a lot of people. I believe it's a Presbyterian church. And again, Tim Keller passed away just a few months ago. But here's what that means for the wife, for the husbands. Wives, voluntarily submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, if your wife does that, do you realize the great responsibility that's been put on your shoulders? You better be on your knees and in the word of God. I mean, it better saturate your soul. God's plan was to move the Kellers to New York. Tim Keller was such a godly man, committed to the scriptures and committed to prayer that he knew that. But if he wouldn't have been in the scriptures, if he wouldn't have been committed to prayer, if he wouldn't have been committed to following the Lord, do you know what kind of disaster that would have been? Husbands, you have a grave responsibility, a great responsibility to lead your family in the ways of the Lord. So wives, voluntarily submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. This, this is important. Two things I want to say about fitting to the Lord. First is submission to your husband fits God's plan for marriage. Genesis, Adam was created first. Do you know the only thing that was not good? I mean, you, you go through the creation story. Uh, we've been preparing an Advent sermon on Genesis 3. and You go through Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3. Do you know the only thing that God said is not good? Was man being alone. He said it is not good for man to be alone. So God created the woman. God created Eve not to be a step stool. I, I, when I do marriage counseling, you know, God didn't take Eve from the foot to be stepped on by the man. Uh, God didn't take Eve from the head to be over the man. He took him from the rib to be beside the man, to be a helper for the man, to complement the man, to complement the work that God had already called the man to do. But God was clear that the man has the spiritual responsibility to lead his family in the ways of the Lord. Adam failed greatly at his responsibility because when Eve is being tempted by the serpent, And when she takes a bite of that apple, the scripture says she turned and gave it to Adam. Adam was right there with her, and he didn't say anything. He failed to live up to his God-given responsibility to lead his family. Why would Eve have submitted to a man who doesn't show leadership? And he didn't. 
He failed at his God-given responsibility. The second thing about fitting to the Lord that I want to say this is, ladies, it is not fitting to the Lord for you to submit to a couch potato tyrant. It's a pretty good phrase. You might want to write that down. <laughs> Thanks to the week, an extra week to prepare, came up to couch, for couch potato tyrant. Thank you. Do not, it is not fitting to the Lord for you to submit to a couch potato tyrant who wants you to bring him a bag of chips and a cold drink so he can watch the Panthers lose to the Cowboys by 40 points on a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) You knew I was going to work it in. It's like the whole depressing part of my Sunday, right? It, It is not fitting to the Lord for you to submit to a man who verbally or physically or spiritually abuses you. So it is voluntary submission, absolutely. But if your husband is not following the Lord, if he's not treating you the way the Lord has commanded him to treat you, you do not have to submit to him because that is not fitting to the Lord. If he's asking you to do something or participate in an activity that is unholy, don't submit to him. You submit to him because it is fitting to the Lord. You sacrifice to follow your husband who loves you, who cares for you, who is following the ways of the Lord. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. I think this is very fitting. But I want you to know that Christ is head over every man. That's not a period. It keeps going. It's a comma, but we're going to just stop. Christ is the head of every man. Do you think, wives, listen, do you think you could submit to a man who loves the Lord? Can you submit to a man who is in the scriptures, who is on his knees, who you know and trust is doing what the Lord has commanded him to do? Who treats you the way God intended him to treat you? Again, Paul says, but I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man. The man is the head of every woman. God is the head of Christ. When you read this passage and the passage of Ephesians and the passage... In other passages, women, you are not inferior to men. Men, you are not superior. You are equals. God just designed marriage for the man to be the spiritual leader and for women to voluntarily submit. Now, men, you have the responsibility to lead well. You have the responsibility to love your wife. Paul says in Ephesians to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Literally, what Paul says in Ephesians is you die for her. You put her needs and her ideas above your own. That you treat her, my mom always taught me to treat Jennifer like a queen. You treat her like a queen. Husbands, you have the responsibility to love your wife. This is countercultural to that day because of the word Paul uses is the agapete, agape love. Greeks had, had the word for sacrificial loves, agape. They did not believe it could be lived out in any way, shape, or form. They thought that this level of love was impossible to obtain sacrificial, unconditional kind of love. And yet we see it when Jesus died on a cross, unconditionally loving the people who are putting him there. 
And Paul says, husbands, love your wives. You realize that love was rare in Jesus' day? Husbands didn't love their wives. They're property. They're giving them babies. Marriages weren't based upon love. They're based on mutual agreements between two families that were mutually beneficial. You talk to my father-in-law, he's going to remind you that I never gave him the 200 goats that my family promised him. I don't even have goats, but that's, I, don't, I don't know where that came about. There was no love in marriages, and there's exceptions. But the majority of people in this culture, there was no love. They barely saw each other. And Paul says, the new life you have in Christ, the way God intended it to be as husbands, sacrificially and unconditionally love your wife. In Ephesians, it's love your wives because it is pleasing to the Lord. Love your wife. And do not be bitter towards them. Love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Don't treat them harshly. Don't treat them in a tyrannical, dictator kind of way. Husbands, if you want them to submit, love them the way God tells you to love them. Lead them the way the Bible tells you to lead them. It's funny, in Ephesians, that passage that comes up, it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Before that, which often gets uh, ignored in the Ephesians passage, uh, the, the, the verses before that says, submit to one another. Husbands and wives, you are submitting to one another, and it looks like voluntary submission for the wife to let the husband lead. Now, wives, if you've got a good man, let him lead. I heard a wife one time say that, well, my husband would be a good leader if he just listened to me. <laughs> now, in some cases, that's true, but if you've got you a good man and a good husband who loves you and who's leading the way the Lord wants him to, let him lead. Let him lead. And husbands, lead. We have in our churches, in our families, we have a male leadership problem. We do. And listen, I commend the women for, for, for standing up and taking on roles that God intended to be filled by men. Because someone's got to lead. We have a leadership problem in our men. Maybe it's because for decades, sitcoms have depicted men as just aloof. I love Everybody Loves Raymond, but that guy's an idiot. Yeah, right? We need men who are willing to follow the lordship and leadership of God and lead their families the way the Bible teaches and to lead the churches because God designed the men to be the spiritual leaders. It's not demeaning towards women. It has nothing to do about equality. It has nothing to do about supremacy or inferiority. That's just how God designed it. If he had done it the other way, maybe the world would be a better place. I don't know. I'm not going to question God's design. Husbands, love your wives. It's a great responsibility. Because husbands, you will stand before God and you will answer for your failed leadership. 
Husbands, if you get frustrated that your wife won't listen to you, look in the mirror before you point the finger. And wives, let them lead. Let them lead. If it's fitting to the Lord, as is fitting to the Lord. So Christ is all. That's our theology. The practicality. Put Christ first in your marriage. You're going to struggle. I tell young couples when I do premarital counseling all the time that there are two sinful people who are becoming one. There's always going to be conflict. But marriage from cover to cover in the Bible is used to describe Christ and the church. We are sinful. We are fallen. We make mistakes. We mess up. We rebel. We run away from God. And Christ loves us unconditionally and sacrificially. That's how marriage is supposed to be. But don't don't forget, Christ loves you unconditionally and sacrificially. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this text. We know it's hard. We know that it flies in the face of our culture. We know that it is misinterpreted and misrepresented and and people think it's demeaning towards women and, and elevating towards men, but it is not. Father, this is a beautiful picture of how marriage should function. A beautiful picture of two people who are imperfect, submitting themselves ultimately to you and your leadership and your supremacy. But Father, I know there are marriages that are struggling. I know there are husbands who are not living up to their God-given responsibilities. I know there are wives who are struggling to submit to the leadership of their husbands. But ultimately, the root cause is they're not submitting to the leadership and lordship of Christ. Father, help our couples who are here, help our future couples, help them to submit to you, help them to surrender to you, help them to follow you in all they do, and help them to follow you in their marriage. Father, we pray for those who are fighting, who are experiencing conflict, for couples who are going through divorce. Father, if there is a way of reconciliation, we pray for that. But we know that there's forgiveness if reconciliation is not an option. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.